Welcome to the Everyday Game Changers Podcast. You will hear from everyday people in business, music, community, and more who are changing the game. And now your host, marketing expert and personal branding specialist, Varian McQueen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Everyday Game Changers Podcast. I'm your host, Barry McQueen, and you know how we do each and every week, talking to game changers in business, music, community, the arts, and more. And today's guest, he do fit a couple categories, though, because he, even though he's in the comedy space, he I would put him in entrepreneurship, because when you in the arts, you are an entrepreneur, man. I got Aaron Shapiro in the building. Woo! Studio Live Studio audience. Give it up for Aaron Shapiro. That's right. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing well. I would put myself more in the entrepreneur category. Yeah. More than the comic, I mm. think. Uh, the only reason why I can do entertainment full-time is the entrepreneurship. Mm. I, I find myself enjoying the business side of it yeah. as much as sometimes more than the art. Because the art is subjective, the business is factual. Mm. Like in business, if you're an entrepreneur and an artist, and people go like, "Oh, so are you like you you play guitar?" and you're like, right. "Well, I work at Dell, and yeah, then yeah, on yeah. the weekends I play. You know, yeah. sometimes I play. I, I pick the guitar at uh, the local uh, Chili's. You know, <laughs> because you haven't figured out how to monetize the guitar. Mm. So I, I would say entrepreneur. I, I figured out how to monetize what I do." And I placed that kind of above, at least for the last 10 years, above, like, just being an artist. So, like, I, I want to ask you, what what, what category does that, because you kind of, like, it's almost if somebody gets you to host an event. Yep. But the fact that you do comedy, it's like they get in a two-for-one. Yeah. They, uh, that, that's, that's, uh... <laughs> that's, like, what has been my sell over the last 10 years. Okay. Has been, I am not just an MC where, like, a lot of MCs are either club MCs, like right. when you think of MC, like the guy who stands next to the DJ in the club, Just who's like, put your man. hands up, yeah, put your hands up, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it works. Like people put right. their hands up, like, yeah. and it a good MC can take a club from where it's just like people are awkwardly standing there, especially yeah. today's generation. Everyone's on their phone. Yeah. A good MC can take something where it looks like nothing. Live All up. you got to do is find that one or two people who are not afraid. Mm. Once you get to dancing, there's that domino effect where more mm. people go like, oh. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not right. the only one on the dance floor. So a good MC could do that. But I definitely have chosen to take the path of you're not just getting an MC. You're getting somebody who writes screenplays. Right. Who write, wrote a master's dissertation. Oh, it's not. Uh, I got my master's in communication and media. Um, writes, like, in general, I'm constantly writing stand-up comic and entertainment host and right. show producer. So mm. as the MC, you're the guy in the front of the marching band. Like you have to know that the tubas are going to make a right. Yeah. But the violins are going to keep going. Like as an MC, you have to know every level of this. Yeah. You are the master of the ceremony. Really one man band. So I call, I call it Josting. I call it Josting. Joke Ooh, hosting. Josting. I like that. Josting. Yeah. Y'all didn't see Aaron before he was he was already adjusting his own microphone, uh, <laughs> getting his stuff right. So he's definitely a one man band. He done already schooled me on how to use the switcher here. I enjoy freedom. Mm. And I learned very early on. I have a strict father 
and he had immigrant grandparents who had nothing. So we learned to scrap. We learned to make things last. Like my backpack for my camera bag is like seven years old. The zippers broke. I went online. I learned how to fix the zippers. I fixed the zippers. The oh, side of the bag was ripping. I sewed it back together to keep it going. Like No new bag I just, for you. No, because that's not the way I was raised. You wow. know, I wasn't raised yeah. that way. So I've learned to keep my bills low and keep my war chest high mm. in terms of like capital cash like how much oh. cash i have mm. so when someone comes along and goes like hey you have to do this job i go no i don't right and there's a lot of power as a business when you can turn down work that you know is not going to be beneficial <laughs> for you as a business i love that and then it shows that there's a scarcity that you know you just can't get me to to dance for 20 bucks you know <laughs> i just put on my social media the other day Stop answering your phone. Well, you should answer your phone. I, 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 listen, I'll take. I will take the twenty dollars job. Okay, at the same way, my dad yeah. goes. You do not. He tell you work no matter what. So I will take the twenty dollars job, yeah. but I'm only taking it out of charity. Meaning right. that, like, when I do it, I'm not. I'm telling the people, Mike. I'm just letting you know, I'm not doing this for the money. Yeah. I'm showing you what a. I'm showing you what it's like to test drive a Porsche. Mm, I like that. So I when I tell when people go like, oh, but, but you're. You're 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 a couple thousand dollars as an MC. I go. I, I can I can tell you plenty of MCs that are not as much as me. Yeah. And you can go to a car dealership and you could buy a Corolla for twenty eight thousand, or you can get a Porsche yeah. for a hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. And the reason why I'm a Porsche is because one, two, yeah. three, and you and you lay it out for them. And you help mm. you help the client understand what it is that they're that they're paying for. So you have been in the position where you, you, like I always used to, I did photography for, for a really long time. And when I first started doing photography, I was just shooting anybody that would let me shoot. Yep. And then I built a skill set and a name in photography that is just like, I'm now I'm very selective with who yep. I shoot with. Do you have to turn down clients all the time? Um, no, I'm not like batting away work. I'm not like, oh, Netflix, stop calling, please. <laughs> right. Trying to have time with my dog right now. Jesus, I can't yeah. film a comedy special. I'm not like batting away work. I definitely turn down work. Got like it. when people are like, a lot of times people are like, oh, can you MC my event? And I, I know what they mean by that. Like they want me to MC their event and, and I don't even f bother asking questions when it's a local producer. Mm -hmm. Let's say Tony Visions. Okay. Right. Tony Visions, I MC all his events, and yeah. I've been doing it for six years, wow. at least five or six years. Wow. I did an event for him that was inside Jose Marti. They rented Jose Marti. They had a, a pipe and drape in the back corner where the models were changing, and they were walking on the basketball court at the middle of the day. Oh, my God. Like 4 p.m., and they were had a basketball tournament afterwards. And the mic wouldn't, the wireless mic didn't reach the DJ booth. It was like, if you walked like 20 feet away, it was like, oh my gosh. The day before, hypothetically, I don't know where I was, but I was most likely somewhere like doing some kind of hard rock event with like a celebrity like some Brett big. Michael or some of like that. And the <laughs> next day, I'm in a gym for free. That's balance. I'm seeing this event. Um, so I definitely will take work. But what I, what I have learned over the years is contract negotiation. Mm. And I think not enough artists understand the art of negotiation because you're not really ever taught negotiation. Right. And the only reason why I know is because my father is a union president for the veterans okay. uh, hospitals. Dope. 
And all he does all day is collective bargaining with management. <laughs> right. So I have to manage my own life with him. Of course. But he has taught me uh, how to come in and sit down with a client and they go, um, I have also requests as you have requests, yeah. client. Like you yeah. want me to be on your stage yeah. and you want me to talk to the people and you want me to make sure everyone has fun. Has a good time, yeah. no cursing, dancing, taking pictures, posting them, supporting your brand, introducing yeah. speakers, remembering their names. Yeah. I want water and a place <laughs> to sit yeah. and a green room. Yeah. And I need all the photos you're taking. You're going to give them to me because Bye. you're not paying me enough. So mm -hmm. I'm going to use that as promotion for myself. Of course. So all those photos, I need them. That's going to go in the contract. Mm. And a lot of times what happens is, because most people don't negotiate, yeah. when faced with a situation where you do negotiate, sometimes clients pull away and they say, we don't actually want to negotiate. Yeah. We're going to go find somebody who will not give us this much of a headache. Mm. And I go, enjoy your to Toyota Corolla. <laughs> How do you get introduced to like any of this? Like what's young Aaron doing and he how did what's your first gig that you like you know what this could actually be a viable business for me i i did a bar mitzvah and look what it <laughs> turned into like yeah what's, yeah no. what's that story um i stopped playing college basketball okay i had a knee injury um outside of school so i lost my scholarship to play mm -hmm. i was at broward college Fire. um i was going to transfer to a bigger like a division two division one small Division one, division two, somewhere else. I dropped out of college basically because I never had done school. Got it. And I had always been an athlete. So they'd just been like, you know, dunk the ball, you get to see. Yeah. And uh, so I failed all my classes. And then I was living on friends' couches who played basketball in DC, wow. up in Washington, DC. And I was just living off of them and just, you know, lower middle income parents who could let me sleep in the house. I'd have to pay rent. So that right. also saved me from working, Got you it. know, otherwise if I had parents that were like kicking me out, I yeah, would have to figure it out right. quick. So then, you know, I would always been entrepreneurship. So I did dog training right after college basketball. So I did dog training for PetSmart and then I quit and opened up my own dog training company called <laughs> IWI dog training. What? It's worth a dog training. Then I, I hated people and they, did, they weren't disciplined enough to take care of the dogs. So then I transitioned into uh, school. And while I was at FAU, I started to take a stand-up comedy class at the Hard Rock. Wow. They used to have, like, those comedy 101 okay. classes. A friend of mine that I played college basketball with was doing stand-up comedy in New York. So we started at the same time. I took that class. I was started going to open mics in the Boca area. There wasn't many back then, 2006, 2007, 2008. Okay. Then FAU, I was at FAU and I went to a basketball game and I saw one of the football players was emceeing the basketball game and he was a big guy, uh, very charismatic, but he sounded like on the microphone, like he was holding it too close to his mouth. Yeah. And the, my girlfriend at the time was like, you could do that. You could do that and you could be funny and you could host and they can give you money. Wow. So after that game, I walked down to the court. I walked up to the people and I was like, I want to MC. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go fuck off. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, how so, people go, yeah, yeah. Oh, you want to MC? Yeah, sure. <laughs> fuck yeah. Of course. Well, here's a microphone. Go yeah. out there and do it right now. 
I got their card. I sent them an email. Uh, and for about two or three months, they kept saying no to me, and I emailed them every two weeks. Oh, snap. Can I? Can I? Is yeah. there anything? I'll do a softball game. I'll do a baseball game. I'll do a volleyball game. Whatever you have, I'll do it. I'll do it persistent, persistent, persistent. And then finally, there was a, a winter basketball tournament. He went on some uh, fraternity trip. I emceed the game. I was like shaking like a leaf, but like wow. I got through it. Yeah. An advertiser came up to me and said, you were funny, you were clear, and you made my ad fun. Mm. We want you to stay. Wow. And I said, don't tell me. Tell that guy. Tell them. <laughs> or they're going to bring back muffle mouth. Correct. <laughs> but he's a great guy. I know him. He's a great guy. I don't want to say, but yes, he was muffling a little bit. Um, wow. So they went. I went back home, and I just had a gut feeling, so I went on sunbiz.org. And I purchased Aaron, the speaker, wow. LLC. Like I'd purchased it that, that night. I was just feeling, I was like, I was like, if he's telling me I did a good job, they're going to call me. Like I was confident. I was like, they're going to wow. call me. They're going to call me. So they did call me. They called me into the office. Uh, I was like, well, let's have a meeting. I went to the office at the athletic building wow. and they're like, we'd like to offer you an internship. <laughs> and... I was like, I'd like to offer you my company. And they were like, you have a company? And I printed the, oh, you know, the, the certificate. certificate. So I fucking brought in the certificate, like a barber shop. I was oh, like, oh, I was like, look, I do have a company. And then my wow. dad, I changed his name from Jeff Shapiro in my phone to manager. Oh, my God. And then I put him on speaker, and he helped me negotiate $75 per basketball game wow. for the remainder of the season from December to March. Wow. And that was my first like professional emceeing experience. And then I ended up being the arena host for FAU for nine years. Uh, I did it for the Florida Panthers for two seasons, the NHL Florida Panthers. Wow. I did it for a major league lacrosse expansion team in Boca Raton at the arena that was called um, the Florida Launch. I was their arena host. And for two years, I was all three stadiums arena hosts at the same time. The Panthers the uh, Florida Atlantic University football team. Wow. Basketball and the launch while also doing stand up, but doing the um, arenas and being like in the arena yeah. is what gave me the ability to do corporate events. Like mm -hmm. I toured the country with Bang Energy. I do stuff with the Hard Rock now. Uh, Toyota. I travel the country with Toyota. Rock With You Entertainment. One of my, they do bar mitzvahs and corporate events. Okay. But being in the stadium, like the guy, yeah. like when the game is going on, 20,000 fans, and it's wow. you hyping them up, I got a lot of corporate events from, like people wow. viewed that as a sense of authority. They're like, oh, you're that guy from the arena. Yeah, you're like a sound of Yeah, I do. I, it, all it is is you're the QVC guy. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Panther fans, it's time for the T-shirt toss brought to you by Lawler and Ziegler, personal injury trial attorneys. Now, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands way up in the air, Panther fans, because we got some T-shirts coming for you. T-shirt cannons. You know, like you hype wow. up the stadium. and You just turned that on. like you just It's just a QVC commercial. Wow. All right, Panther fans, it's time for the Dunkin' Donuts fan of the game. Here's how it's going to work. Section 413, you got a chance to go home with a Dunkin' Donuts gift card, and this is how you're going to do it. The loudest fan, the most excited fan, you got to get up right now. Show me what you got. Is y'all watching this? This is like. Anyways, so I did that. Wow. And then I quit that because <laughs> I felt like. I felt like a puppet with a hand up its ass, mm -hmm. you know? 
And it was like, I would go to the Panthers and I would say to them, I, I, I brought them in. Cause you, you could hear my personality. I'm not yeah. someone who waits. Right, right, right. You know, there's a podcast about game changers and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm not someone who waits yeah. ever. So it either gets me fired or promoted. Right. Like there's two things that happen when you're like right. someone who puts their neck on the guillotine. Yeah. Either it gets chopped off or they spare your life. Right. So I went to the Panthers and I was like, I had a 15 page packet. Wow. I was like, here's what we're going to do. I do street interviews for FAU. I started producing these street interviews called Aaron on the street. I was like, I'm going to go into the streets. No one knows hockey. I'm going to interview them and be like, you know, what's, what's, uh, um, how, how does offsides work in hockey? Who is the captain of the Panthers right now? And if they get it right, I'd give them a t-shirt, you know, yeah. like easy stuff. No. Um, how about I interview some of the players like in between the, no, um, can I have, what should I wear for the games? Like, can you guys give me like really cool jackets and jerseys? No. Oh my God. So you want me to wear what? Like I'm selling the, 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 the Jersey of the game. Don't you think you should put me in the Jersey? Yeah. No. Wow. So I ended up, what I ended up doing is I ended up going to that department without their consent and talking to the lady and saying, like, what's the item of the game today? Can you give it to me? Mm. She gave it to me. She's like, oh, no problem. Just take the take the tag off or whatever, and you could take the wear it today. God, they gave me so much shit for that. They were like, don't go over our heads, which wow. I get. I did go over their heads. But I'm in front of 20,000 fans. Put me in the dopest yeah, gear. Yeah, what course. are you doing? I am the, I am the walking, the walking mannequin. mannequin. Yeah, of course. But, you know, and in... in corporate world there are many you have to learn how to play you know get the tango you got to yeah. learn there are certain you know someone doesn't want to get fired so they don't want to be visible so they mm -hmm. stay invisible they just do their job and you know everyone's like hey mark how's the kids yeah so they got Kush golly grand so okay you know it's the like boat with you if you gonna rock the boat so correct. now they become correct got it yeah so and i get that they don't want the arena host to become Bigger More, than that. Yes, correct. Nah, it makes sense. Correct. It makes sense. You want them to be super replaceable. I just heard that about DJ Khaled. He had the issue with 99 Jams. He's like, they didn't like that me and people like Super Cindy became bigger than the station. Which doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense. Why? But it does make sense when you think about it because there's a certain amount of dollars that are being sliced. And they don't want to adjust those slices because it makes everyone else adjust their slices. So like if I become really popular and there's a really big return on investment that when I say to fans, go buy jerseys, they go buy jerseys yeah. and I can prove that. What am I going to say? Yeah. Now you need to pay me. You got to pay me. And they're going to go, we don't want to do that. So they cool with keeping everybody where they are. So no, well, that helps and that helps run a business. Mm. You can't have too much movement. Do you teach this? What? Like this, what you do. Is it a course out, Aaron, the speaker's course? <laughs> no. On teachable people, or? Pe people have asked me to do courses, but I refuse to do courses. Um, I am an adjunct professor at FIU. Okay. Like I teach three classes at FIU. <laughs> um, but I don't like to tell people that because then they, they say like, oh, you're a college professor who moonlights as an entertainer. Mm. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm a full-time entertainer yeah. who's a glutton for punishment. But not only that, there's a, there's a big reward that you get from, there's a reward that I get from being a professor that is more than money. Okay. I love money, 
I love money a lot. Yeah. Um, but money's not my focus. Got it. When you're a teacher and you're you do it well, you can make an impact on you know People. students, and there's something cool about that. Yeah. I've, I'm at I'm at that point in my career. That I tell people, I'm like, man, I've made plenty of money, but when I look back, how many lives have I impacted? How many people have I touched? I haven't made plenty of money, so. And I'll... for me, <laughs> I made some money. I think it's the difference between some and plenty. All right, I made plenty though. Some means they're still going to Publix, getting a public sub for lunch. Oh no, I haven't had a pub sub in a long. Yeah, time. so you have plenty of money. You're going to Hillstones. <laughs> yeah, I went problem. to this place in Miami yesterday, and I was like, man, am I that guy now? Because they bring out the menu. It was a place called. What was it called? Freehold or freehold? Yeah, yeah, the freehold. And so when was like, yeah. So I went there. It was like an entrepreneur's mastermind. And I'm like, they like, you know, we're right next to Brooklyn Pizza. So you yep. can get pizza. Yep. And yep. So I'm like, um, well, I don't really want no pizza because I'm trying not to eat meat right now. But how's this main lobster roll? <laughs> right. So he's like, well, um, nope. Many people don't really order the main lobster roll, but I'm like, yeah, let me get the main lobster roll. But I said, let me get the main lobster roll. My credit card's made of metal. <laughs> I was like, but I don't want the main lobster roll if the meat that you guys use is not the tail because I don't like lobster claw meat. He's like, well, let me go ask the owner before <laughs> I put your order in. So he comes back. He's like, Mr. McQueen, nope, it's, it's tail meat. Just like how you like it. Should I put the order in? I'm like, amazing. Let's do it. Yep. He comes out and it's claw meat. Oh, how do you know? Because all tail meat is white. Oh, it's pink. Claw meat has got that red. And I'm looking at this lobster roll. I'm like, nah, that's not tail. He's like, you sure? I'm like, I'm I'm a seafoodologist. I promise you that's not tail. And I'm like, damn, am I, am I that guy now? And he's like, oh, Mr. McQueen, I'll take it back to the kitchen. I really apologize. They told me. And I'm just like. I felt bad, and I'm no, like, no, you deserve that, right? All those shoots you did for free, <laughs> all the t all the shoots you did exactly. for free for the years and years and years where everyone else was sitting at home, mm. you were out there Grinding. doing it for free, Facts. and everyone was like, "You're never gonna make it. No one ever makes money in photography. That's you know, you should probably get a job at you know selling health insurance, and exactly you know, it, you, why are you spending all this money on camera equipment? You're actually in the red right now. I don't know Facts. why you're doing it. You know, you should quit. You should stop. And you said, no, 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 and that's why you can say that is not lobster that tail. Is not Good lobster. You know what's funny? I tell people, I the older I've getting, I've gotten so petty. Oh, I'm not petty. I'm very aired Wait, what's petty? petty? How do you describe petty? Give me a so petty scenario. I give you a petty scenario. All the models who I reached out to shoot with for free when I was new. Okay. Who reach out now? Yep. I remind them. I say, hell, I don't know if you want to scroll up in your DMs and look at around 2018 when I was asking you. I'm the same guy. That's me. They like, oh, you know. So, no, I'm not available. Or I'm very expensive if you want to book me now. Because I always just been, I was I was so hungry to learn photography. First of all, I learned all my stuff off YouTube. Right? Yep, YouTube University. YouTube University. Jessica Cabasi. Jessica Whitaker, Irene Rudnick, Anita, and a, a guy named, uh, what is his name? Manny, Manny Ortiz. These was the five photographers. I know Manny Ortiz. I just watched, and I'm just like, I can do that. Like, yep. Went and got me a little T6i Rebel, and I just 
the first stock like, lens, stock lens, little 18 to 55 millimeter kit lens, like a F 4.8. You can't get the real blur in the background with it. And my first shoot, it was with a girl that was uh, Miss Teen Mexico City. Okay. In West Palm Beach. I had no clue who she was. I was doing the shoot for free. I was just excited. Somebody wanted to collaborate with me. And after I did that shoot, I didn't know she was Miss Team Mexico City. So because I shot her, she posted the pictures everywhere and loved them. I became the quince shooter for like Palm Beach County. Every quince I was doing. So I was shooting the quince dress shoot. And then I would get booked to do the event for the quince. And then they'll pay. They pay extra to keep you a couple extra hours and feed you. It was amazing. Yep. And then I was like, man, I, I can't just be the king say guy. Um, but that's how I got my start in photography. So yeah. like I tell these shooters, man, you gotta get the reps in, man. I did plenty of free stuff before I'm I don't for for under 300 bucks, I don't even take the lens cap off now. Like, yeah. Nah, it's not even worth my time. Right. Because I'm like, we're published, we're established. Why would I do that? Yeah, photographers have an interesting job. It's an interesting world photography because yeah. everyone has a camera on their phone yeah and everyone can buy a camera and point it and shoot it yeah but not everyone has the eye to make the photo tell a story or have emotion facts and that is where no matter what ai does and no matter what people do when they buy a photo there's a difference between photography yeah. and taking a photo that's a fact you know that's a fact i I see these kids that come to our workshop and like any freaking 19 year old that get a Sony right out the box. Let me tell you something right now. I'm a kid in high school. I had no chance of getting girls. I had acne. I had to take acne medication. I shaved my head. I looked like the real Slim Shady. Please stand oh, up. Like I look like wow. I look like Magic Mike. You know how you like shave his head like short. Yeah. Uh, I wore. I had. You know, back then it was uh, North Carolina going on away. Take your shirt off, wear it around your head like a helicopter. I used to have the tall tees. You go to Foot Locker and buy the four wow. for fives. You know, I, oh I couldn't gosh. get girls. You get a camera now as a young kid. Oh. It's like girls are like coming up to you and going, "Can what are you take your camera out?" And they're wow. like, you know, asking to be their photograph. I'm not saying that it leads to romance. Yeah. But it definitely is a conduit to, like, learn how to be around women facts. and, like, That's how to communicate with women. That's the hardest part of being a young man in that weird gender period of, yeah, like, yeah. you know, your testosterone and their estrogen. And, like, you're learning, like, sexuality. You don't know how to talk to the girl. That's the problem. You have more in common than you know. Exactly. But when you walk up, you're like, yeah. Photographers are the most introverted they just nerds that's just geeks out over camera gear. Yep. So our literally our first workshop was just that. We had models in another room. We had photographers in another room. And we was like, look, I know you want to learn photography today, but today we're teaching communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know she's pretty, but you cannot let that stop you from getting the job done, right? Go introduce yourself. Yeah. Say, hi, my name is Paul. Yep. What's your best side? <laughs> something simple like and it's just like they so nervous to talk to pretty girls so that was literally our first workshop like yep. yo, communication how do you talk because you're gonna get the best shots she gonna feel comfortable yeah that it's just not awkward silence yeah because nobody's talking to each other 
And I think that's super important. So, but you gotta have. A, I feel like you should have a like a click funnel for uh, Aaron speaks the mentor. <laughs> I I just can't do it because I haven't. I make enough money for myself. I make enough money that I own my two bedroom condo. Yeah. I make enough money that I own my car. I don't have any. I have no debt whatsoever. Right. If I take on debt, it's because I'm taking on debt for the business. I'm putting right. under the business credit, and that's just literally auxiliary money to help me grow money. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel that you know the, to a place where I'm trying to hire somebody now. But that is like a scary part is hiring. Is <laughs> then it's like. So now, now you're telling me, hold on, let me so calculate this. I have my mortgage. I have my insurance. I have my business insurance. I have my studio space that I'm paying for. I have the equipment that I'm constantly having to upgrade and buy. And now I got to take on making sure somebody else has enough money so they can pay their bills. Like I'm paying other people's bills. Is uh, that's for like it's a <laughs> that's pressure. for like a, that's why I'm three o'clock in the morning. I'm eating macadamia nuts, and that's, I'm like. That's the pressure, man. I just put on on my social media the other day, like, my wife told me, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I remember you told me this story the other day. And I'm like... Oh, and you told, I, think, I don't know if you told me in person, but yeah, she didn't... She's like, no, I don't want that pressure of making sure somebody else eats. And yeah. You worried about payroll? Yeah. They, like, why would I want that pressure? Yeah. I'm... I'm the perfect person that can work for an entrepreneur. I'm good at systems and leadership and management and delegating. And I just was looking at her talk and I'm like, huh, I didn't think about that. And then I thought like, well, if we were all entrepreneurs, how could we build a team? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Bunch of entrepreneurs, nobody got help. Correct. Yes. It, it is hard to, to recognize the position and the role yeah. that everyone plays. That is something that I'm definitely learning is that like, I'm, if I'm, if it's a basketball game, I'm shooting the three pointer. Yeah. I'm running to the rim to get the rebound. I'm taking it out of bounds and passing it to myself. And then I'm screaming, why is no one doing anything? Yeah. No, nah, you know, it's, it's like, like that though. Well, I'm not giving anyone a chance yeah. to do anything yeah. because I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 I, I know you don't want to. I'm always like, I know you don't want to do this. Yeah. I, I know you don't want to be up late getting these videos. I, I have a policy, which is when I shoot an event, I go home, no matter how tired I am, I upload it. I put it on the internet. I put it on the website. This is just my process. And I know you want to go home and you want to fuck off and you want to like, you want to watch Netflix and yeah. you want to chill with your girlfriend or boyfriend and you want to not think about this. Unfortunately, I have I can't. If I go home and I don't upload it, I'm going to not sleep. I'm going yeah. to be thinking about uploading it. So that's where I struggle with the with the business side of it is that you have to find someone who also has that obsession. Mm. And every time I notice somebody does not have that obsession, yeah. I go, I don't I don't want to force you. Yeah. I, I I want somebody who wants to run at my speed. I don't want to have to be running and being like, come on, yeah. you can do it. Run faster. Like yeah. then that's not allowing me to run at my full speed. Facts. Cause I keep turning around to tell you to run faster. Yeah. So that's the hard part about business. Every time I go, yeah, they don't want to do it. <sighs> they don't want to do it. I tried the VA thing. My VA was everyone's like, you gotta go to the Philippines. I'm like, <laughs> hold on my VA from the Philippines. Let me give her some credit. She was amazing. Thank you for the $4. It was six, but <laughs> it, it was, she was amazing. The problem was 
me and her talked so much that she was learning so much from being around me. She started her own agency yeah. for VAs. And she's like, hey, Barry, you know, I thank you for the opportunity, but I'm going to do this as a job and I'm going to start my own VA agency. Yeah. So thank you for the inspiration. And, and we still cool and talk to this day. And I did the VA thing. Um, it's But that's for me. I go in negotiation and I would say... Okay, let's have an uncomfortable let's have an uncomfortable let's have an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. You are able to start this agency and I'm so happy for you and I think it's amazing, but I think it's a fair trade that if I get VA services for free because I basically have made you be able to make some income and I'm not asking you you don't have to do this. You could say no to this negotiation. But what I'm negotiating you with is I'm so happy that you have learned from me to grow your own thing. That is part of the ecosystem of the world of business is that I've taught you, but can we negotiate here? Sign a contract with me that says I get five years of free VA services because you're starting your agency. You really don't need to have my money because I've taught you how to fish. Mm. Let me just get fish for free. I'm not saying I don't need, you're not going to run my whole business. But take on some small sector that I need to still have the VA work for, do that for me. And if she says no, then she says no, and you didn't negotiate. But if she says yes, you know, then you just got a fair trade. You gave someone the opportunity to fish, and you're still getting the fish that they're catching. Y'all see this, man? This is the game we need on Everyday Game Chain. Because <laughs> I didn't even do that. I was like, man, you free to go. I, thanks. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I dropped the ball. You didn't drop the ball. You can still contact them again. I'm going to hit her up this week. Yeah. Say, hey, so I was speaking to one of my, my Watch good Watch this episode. Yeah, one of my good friends dropped some game on me that I dropped the ball, and I'm here to pick because it up. Because if it's, let's say, let's say you need 15 hours of VA work. Yeah. 15 hours, she's paying her VAs, let's say, $10 an hour generously. Let's say seven. For her to give you 15, let's say 10 to make it easy, 10 hours at 15 hours, she's giving $150 worth of VA services away to help you, someone who helped her. You have to show her and you have to paint the picture and go, it's 150 bucks I'm asking for. Yeah. Yeah. And you stay silent. Interesting. And you go like, I'm not asking for that much, right? Yeah. In sales, that right is the hook. But they could say t- they call them tie downs and say But they could but they could say no. Yeah. And when they say no, then you say you could push back and say I don't think no is the correct answer. Mm. And then make them feel uncomfortable. And that's okay. Who do you I'm assuming you credit your dad for Oh all yeah, of this. he is the man who makes me feel he makes everyone feel uncomfortable everywhere we go. Because just listening to you say, you know what? Before I go and talk to these people. I need to go on Sunbiz. Nobody just knows that. <laughs> I didn't want to be I didn't want to be told that they were going to give me an internship. Right. And I knew that if I came to them and all I had was my student ID, yeah, that I was going to be looked at as they were going to leverage me and mm-hmm. say, "You need this more than we need you." Right. And I said, "I have a company and I do this for real. I was not telling the truth. Right. You know, but you I was lying. Paperwork. You had some paperwork, though. But I have this, like, paper, and I have my dad as manager. I created this environment that seemed, and I delivered. Right. I delivered, and I and I went above and beyond yeah. what I delivered. Not only did I deliver by emceeing the games, I then came to them and said, what if I make videos on campus promoting the games? Right. I'm already at the game. Why don't you use me as a promoter as well? 
So I'll be a promoter and I'll also be at the game. Why don't you send me to the businesses like the corner bakery thing? Why don't we call it the corner bakery three point contest? Cause you're in the corner. It's called mm -hmm. corner bakery. So I always over delivered by right. coming. But what happens is the person whose job it is to think about those ideas mm -hmm. says, I don't like this motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Cause their job is in jeopardy now. Cause everyone in the meeting goes, wow, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> And the moment I hear that, I go, uh-oh, Yeah, someone's not going to like yeah, me. Somebody's disgruntled after you leave. So what I've learned to go is, this is honestly, Jessica really inspired me. It was through my conversation with Jessica. Because you got to give credit. So you're giving them the assist. You have to. Wow. You have to. I'm big on the lead with value, man. You have to. So that that's good. We didn't really talk comedy because I now I'm getting this entrepreneur. I, I almost don't want to ask you nothing comedic. But I got to ask, like, comedy today is sales. Mm. And if you don't understand sales, you can't make it in comedy anymore. Comedy used to be you were funny and you were found. Mm. Today, if you can't sell tickets, you won't be a comic for long. Wow. There's only so much that talent can take you. Now, if you're so talented, you will automatically sell tickets and people will find you. I'm not talking about the Marcelo Hernandez is okay. who Marcelo Hernandez made it to Saturday night live and is now touring the country and is yeah. like a superstar in the making unbelievable talent. Just cream of the crop rose to the top just the way yeah. it is. You know, LeBron James in the basketball court, everyone, right. there's no doubt. Everyone's like, he's a star, he's a guy. you know, yeah. but there were people who played with LeBron James who could have ended up playing overseas. Yeah. I'm not a superstar comic. Right. I know I'm 35. If it happens, I would be more than happy if it happens. And I think I'd be a great celebrity. You know, I do all the charity stuff like I would I would get caught with drug paraphernalia at some point in my career. There'd be a scandal. I'd handle it well. I'd apologize. You know, I do all the stuff that was needed. But in terms of a comic, if you can't if you can't. If you can't record yourself and make reels and compete with the comics that are putting out like crowd work reels, right. you're not going to build a fan base. Mm. If you can't understand that you need to build a press kit, you're not going to get mm. press. You're not going to get things. If you can't understand that you need money to live the dream you want to live. Right. So I'm always trying to figure out how to be a comic and also what do you live. Yeah, I feel like, do you think social media, like, messed up? I, I would say no, it, it catapulted changed. careers, but think about, like... It's a disruptor. I, like, if I was a comedian, I never thought about doing comedy, but I always thought about, like, because of the internet and social media now, you have to constantly be with fresh material that maybe somebody before could write comedy, and they could run those jokes for a really long time before people see them. Or you could be like J. Cole. And you can be featured on some people's songs. Mm. You can put out a single every now and then and then mm. drop a dope-ass album mm. and stay at the top of the chart. Mm. You know, there's not all comedians are in the hustle of... New content all the time. Correct. Got it. Dave Chappelle does not put out new content all the time. But when he comes out with something, it's a banger. Quality. You know, Chris Rock took yeah. forever to clap back at Will Smith. Yeah. Right? But when he did, he clapped. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was... He won. It was good. You know, good. he yeah. he won that battle. Yeah. So 
Right now, what I do is I, I, I film my sets, you know, I, something that I should have been doing years ago, I didn't do. The hardest thing as a performer is to watch back your performances. Mm. It's not easy to watch yourself. Um, but the last few months, I've really been trying to narrow down to get a special out. Okay. Uh, even if it's not good, I have all the cameras, I have all the knowledge. If you could shoot your own special now yeah. and distribute it yourself. Yeah. You're golden, Sorry. right? And the audience will determine if you're good enough or not. Right. That's the that's the comedy is a performance sport. Right. I think this joke is funny. Blah 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 blah. Joke. Audience looks at you like this. I go back to the drawing board. <laughs> so what I do is I film my sets and I go back in Final Cut Pro. I edit. So like I'll say the joke. Like I heard two cats fighting outside of my house the other day, and they were so loud. And they're like, and I was like, what if they're not fighting? What if they're just Hispanic? You know. So then like I said it and like people chuckled and I go, okay, so there's something there. And then I noticed people kind of recoiled and they're like, this white person is talking about Mm. a stereotype. And we're very sensitive right now. Like there's a sensitive culture that's dying. Yeah. PC culture is dying in my opinion, right? People are fighting back. The pendulum has swung too far that people are like, okay, okay, okay. We're, we're done with that (laughs) witch hunt, you know? Yeah. Um, so I watched that joke and then I'll, I'll say it again the next night and then I'll say it again the next night and then I'll say it again the next night and I record them all and I'm going back and I'm watching and I go, okay, I, I sped up. I was too fast. Let me talk slower. Uh, my inflection did not move. Then I say, uh, Spanish cat. Well, what would Jewish cat sound like? Like, mm. ah, like complaining, you know, what would black cat sound like? Yeah. You know, what up cat? Right. Like, you know, what would, uh, That's you know, what, you know, different things. And then you test it and you say it. But if I posted that clip right away, yeah, it wouldn't have had time to be edited yeah. and maneuvered and massaged and if that I, makes sense. I went to a um, Tracy Morgan show. Oh, one of the best. In Miramar, I think. He came to Miramar. What's Tracy Morgan doing in Miramar? Somebody had $5,000. Okay, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> Somebody had five or $10,000 and they called they somehow someone knew Tracy yeah. somehow and they were like Tracy we got five racks for you or 10 racks come to Miramar we'll give you 10 racks I was so what I did this is what I learned about the comedy industry that I did not know he came out with a notebook yeah with jokes yeah and he's on stage and I'm a fan okay so he comes out with this notebook and he's he's on stage and he's like, okay, I got it. And then he goes into the joke. Yeah. As a fan that don't know what somebody told me later on, I was like, yo, he was still hilarious though, yeah. reading off this paper. Correct. But I'm just like, man, like I, I tweeted it and everything. I'm like, man, Tracy Morgan, this is so unprofessional. He's up there with a notebook and they fucking lit me up in the comments. Really? They was like. Well, oh, probably, the yeah, they was like, he was working out material. He was working out material. I can guarantee you the show that you're at was not on his original tour. Correct. He was working new stuff there. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, they chew me up, bro. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. We this have to was work. a thing. Don't you shoot models and don't you go like, you know what? I'm going to go at 400 ISO. I'm going to go a little bit more right on the exposure. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be at a, a 110 focal length instead of an 85 to get a little bit more compressed shot. Like, don't you like, 
Don't you experiment like that? Yeah, but the problem is when you experiment, it's silent behind the camera. The model doesn't see. When we experiment, we have to say, you have to say it out loud. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times where I watch my sets back and I have to pause it and get up from the computer and I have to like walk away and I like, you know, come back and I push the play button again and I start hearing my voice and I hear the silence and I hear the no laughs and I pause it. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it's painful. Like I'm like, you know, I'm squirming in my seat in the computer chair. I'm like pushing the button again. I'm watching it. Yeah. But now I'm to the point where I watch it and I go, I can see why that's not working. Mm. I'm telling the joke like this. So um, have you guys ever thought about, and my, my voice is mono. The tone. So there's no way I'm going to get any kind of elicit, any kind of feeling because my voice I'm just, I'm unsure in the joke, right. so I'm, my tone is, my tone is here. Instead of being like, have you ever, ha, ha, have you ever thought of, you know, a lot more character right. that can give the audience some emotionality? That's why you need a course, Aaron. There are courses, master course. No, a, you need a course. There's a million courses out you there. You need a course, though. There's a million courses. The reason I say you need a course is because this aspect of. I would teach the class live. I used to teach. Okay, maybe I used to. Right. I used to teach a public speaking class to the public mm. live. Um, that's fun Got because, it. like, I can see it. Yep. But when I do a course, it's like I'm talking to a camera, and I never see the people that I'm interacting right. so with. You got to do a live course. I live. love the live one because then it's like people are like. So I'm we a- have you do a course where we just give you an audience. Yeah, that, that, that that'll work. The reason I say that is because they're like. I speak on a lot of stages and it's a lot that I'm on stage with people who are very polished. Yep. So I almost stand out because my message is a little raw. It's yep. a little rough around the edges. There's some ums and some uhs and, and that's I, okay. And Barack, I keep them there. Barack had the best ums. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we need, we, we need hope. Exactly. Uh, so, I stood. I stand out on these stages because well, my you're best... also you're big. Okay, you're handsome. You oh, know, you're on. you're black. This guy, guess you know, there's yeah. a lot of you dress a certain way. Like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into public speaking that right. is a lot. Like, I can go on stage. I don't get laughs, mm. but they listen to me. Mm. I'm six six. Yeah, you see me perform. I'm big. 100%. I'm animated. Like, 100%. it's hard to not pay attention to me. Yeah. But you saw other comics. Yeah, they're small. They're quieter, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, they're not as, but when I'm like doing this, right. it's hard to Miss. not be engaged. Correct. Now they may not be laughing at everything. Yeah. I may not be the funniest. I'm trying to work on that, but, but they engage. so when you're saying they're listening to you, it could be mm-hmm. just your physical presence alone. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't know who this is, but he looks confident. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know who this guy is, but he looks like he knows Interesting. what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You, so you should speak too, right? I do. Like, I feel like you should be on tour at, like... I applied for Campus Speak. Okay. Campus Speak is, like, a a touring thing. And I definitely know that I need to move into more public speaking. Yeah. As I... Because nobody wants a 40-year-old MC. (laughs) It's just not... Like, I know... You definitely will do well in public speaking. Um... But for me, it feels very... Sometimes I, I feel very snake oil salesman. Like, I know that... It's infotainment, and it's not actually going to change anyone's life. Mm. Like when Tony Robbins charges seven thousand dollars for right. each person for his course, like it's like paying seven thousand dollars to go to Disney World. You're getting 
you're getting entertainment. It's not like you leave Tony Robbins course. You would have been better off spending $7,000 in enrolling at UM and taking business classes. You would have been better off spending $7,000 and paying an executive coach to one-on-one coach you. Yeah. The Tony Robbins thing is a show. They play music. He does his thing. You know, he has like a PD. The only that. thing he's missing is dancing with rattlesnakes, like yeah. in a church in Texas. Yeah. You know? I, I so, feel that way. But public speaking, if you can actually, if you're, you're, you're you probably feel passionate about the message you're sending. 100%. I haven't found that mm. passionate message yet. Got it. But I'm sure it'll get there. Yeah. Um, but I have not found. I'm finishing my book. Yeah. It was the most awkward Um. You know, the more I get on these stages, it's awkward backstage, right? Because I have to see the other speakers prepare to go out there. Yeah. And I'm just all in the snacks. I'm eating. I'm the guy's hyping himself up in the mirror. Ah. Yeah. And this guy got his notes. And I'm just like, I'm looking at my photographer, like, oh, what are all these people? What is everybody <laughs> doing back here? But everyone's this got their pregame food and donuts and like, why, that's not like me. why are we not enjoying? I bring Tupperware. Yeah, I'm taking, I'm this, like, I'm taking why, this home. Why are we not enjoying back here? And he's like, Baron, it's like they gotta, they gotta turn it on because this is probably a lot for them, and then they're drained after they do this. And I was like, so one of the guys gets off stage and I was like, yo, um, I was watching you like, you was doing like facial stuff in the mirror before. Like, is that a technique? He's like, nah, Baron, you know, just. It's the Coke. I got to turn this on because when I get on stage, they're ready to see a certain... It's almost like professional wrestling. Yeah. So, like, when that but music... are you high energy when you come out or are you more chill? I'm chill. Well, that's why you could chill before the show. I'm so chill and I just... Me on stage is me in person. So, I'm not turning anything on. That's what makes a great public speaker. People always ask me, what makes a great public speaker? I go, somebody who knows themselves yeah. and somebody knows what they're saying. Yeah. And... You just need to be entertaining with descriptive language, metaphor, simile, analogy, poetic language, tonality. And then everyone has their own unique strength. So whenever I have my class, like have you ever looked at my rate, my professor? Okay. Um, you this, have one of those? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got you should look at the comments. Out. I'm going to check this out. Um, they're always like, he lets us be ourselves and he makes us feel confident in our own skin. Like some people have stutters and I go, don't the stutter make when, when, when we leave this public speaking event and I go, who was that guy? And they go, I was the guy with the stutter. And I go, what did he talk about? He talked about the importance of closing your calls. And I go, okay. So the stutter does not stop the message. Yeah, it actually memorable. helped you be remembered throughout mm. the day. So don't, you know, when I have students in the FIU that are like, uh, Spanish is their first language. I go code switch. Go like um, say something like da 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 in Spanish. What that means in my country is mm. that's going to make you more interesting. Right. They gonna remember. Everyone can be a public speaker because everyone has something that's valuable mm. to say yeah. from their perspective. We're in a country where people are afraid to speak, and that's where we're in trouble. There needs to be more public speaking. More public speaking yeah. equals more communication, more dialogue, more conversations. If you get off stage as a speaker and people come up to you and they go, Byron, I disagree with what you're saying, right? That's good. You're now creating yeah. solutions through 100%. conversation. Love that. You know, but I definitely need to move into a speaker. But you already did it. You wrote a book already. So I need to get, I need to write a, a, any, if you're a ghost writer, ghost writers, I have money, dinero. <laughs> 
I will, I'm learning the tricks. No one writes their own books. I realize that now. I've written an outline. Just I come wish, in, ghostwrite. I, I wish I would have known. Like You didn't have a ghostwriter? No. You wrote the whole thing? I had just quit my job, and I wrote a book called Why Won't My Business Grow. Yeah, I saw it on your website. And I wrote that book. People don't know I wrote that book from a standpoint of an employee. And you wrote it as in, an, in a log cabin with a typewriter, like... I was just like, <laughs> get a wood pipe in your mouth. And there's always and this, this disconnect from business owners and the people who work for them. Mm-hmm. So I always, when I was writing this book, I was like, man, why do people always talk about the boss when he leaves the room? And I always broke it down to, oh, this is the disconnect. This is how disconnected the business owner is from the people who drive the ship. Yeah. So when I started transitioning into business, I tell people I'm a good business owner because I was a great employee. Yeah. And then these business owners, I'm just like, they're so far removed. And I used to put this post on social media that said, yo, your boss will never pay you enough to be his neighbor. (laughs) So I'm like, but so for me, when I first started my company, I used to have this thing where we would, uh, it was called work from anywhere. Okay. So one day out of the week, I would let them pick where we could work from remotely. We didn't really get no work done, but it built some Correct. Camaraderie, camaraderie, right? We go bowling, we go to the beach, we do a little rooftop brunch. We, but it was just like I knew all the people's spouses and it was family. So Correct. Nobody didn't want to quit. Right. And I'm like, well, why don't people teach this for business owners? And this, they do. But, but when you get into the corporate world and it gets too big, mm-hmm. you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like people are like, why can't? Why can't we solve the problems with the government and all this other stuff? Yeah. The government's corrupt. It's not corrupt. It's just like there's 400 million people in the United States. Like yeah. I can't even get my HOA to agree on the paint on the outside. And you want 400 million people to agree on a policy? Like it's that's that is not easy. So it's easier for a small company yeah. to have that personal touch. Yeah. Than when you work for an Amazon and Bezos is on his yacht making out with models. Yeah. And these fucking poor people are delivering my packages and Amazon has them like on an algorithm time clock where Crazy. they're pissing in bottles. Crazy. Cause they can't, <laughs> cause they can't like slow down. Yeah. And it's like, no matter how many beach breakfasts you have, it's yeah. not going to make up for the fact that I got to piss in a bottle That's a fact. to deliver this package, Yeah, you know, but that America has always had a problem with employer and management. And we had a moment in our history where we had a lot of unionizing, where a lot of workers came together and had collective bargaining. Now, entrepreneurship has been saturated where they're like, oh, you work at McDonald's and you drive an Uber to make up the extra money to live in your shitty efficiency that's now $2,500? You're an entrepreneur. And it's like, you're not an uh, entrepreneur is maybe somebody who's coming into a field and disrupting and like, but just because you have to drive Uber doesn't make you an entrepreneur. It means that you have a second job because you're so poor. No one, Aaron said that. No, no, no one is like, you know what I want to do this weekend? You want to go to the beach, honey, and go to the Soho house and have drinks? Fuck no. I want to Uber some people around. (laughs) That's what I do for fun. Some people shoot bows and arrows or some people have, I drive Ubers. No, people are driving Ubers because they economically have to. Mm. They don't want to turn their personal car into a taxi, Mm. but it's the easiest way for them to make side cash. Mm. 
mm. where they can kind of choose when they do that side cash. Yeah. That's not entrepreneurship. That's because McDonald's doesn't pay them enough. <laughs> they would love to just work at McDonald's and make $70,000 a year and come home and be with their wife and kids. Nobody would have a problem working at McDonald's flipping burgers if they were getting 50, 60,000. McDonald's is the biggest company in the world. Sign me up for that. You know? <laughs> so that's the problem with entrepreneurship. They make side hustle or gig life seem yeah. like entrepreneurship. That's not. Mm. That's just you're so poor you have another job. I had a, a, a debate here at the studio uh, a, a while ago that I was like, you know, when I started getting around some real entrepreneurs, I was noticing for a really long time that I was just a solopreneur. I'm a solo. I'm a solopreneur. So it was just like, you know what? I thought I was an entrepreneur. It's like, yo, got these companies. But it's like, nah, I was answering the phones. Correct. I was doing the emails. Yeah. Uh, and then I started getting around some people, and they talking about health benefits and yeah, yeah. HR departments. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur at all. I know. That's how I always None of this. Yeah. Um, and that was like the next step. Like, man, hiring somebody was just, I was so scared. I'm scared now because you're commit. It's it's you're taking on a marriage. Yeah. You are responsible for somebody, and it's a responsibility that is not easy to carry. It's a heavy responsibility. Um, when you want to rest, you're like, damn, I can't rest because I have to help this person who I hired yeah. do their job correctly. Yeah. So I need to do more, and I can't rub it in their face. I got to be silent about it. Facts. You know. Yeah. That's the, the all those feelings because it's like, man, that's a whole different level of pressure. You know, before it was just make sure me and my wife, we good. Yep. Now I got to make sure she can make sure she can pay daycare for her, her kids. But that's where, you know, that's the ecosystem. Yep. But when it comes down to like the side hustle gig life stuff, like I always, you know, try to remind people there's a difference between like gigging and being an entrepreneur. 100%. You know. In, in terms of business stuff. So, like, the people that follow my platform, I would say some of them are, like, the nine-to-fivers that maybe have a little gig that they hoping eventually can replace their nine-to-five or yep. whatever. What's one piece of advice you could give? Keep that nine-to-five. <laughs> Keep that nine-to-five as long as you can because yep. that is guaranteed income. Mm. And guaranteed income is always more valuable than the birds in the bush, mm -hmm. right? The birds you think you're going to catch, but you may not catch. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed income is going to allow you to transition into that thing that you want to make your full-time thing. Without that nine to five, unless you have rich parents, you're not. No one, you can't. Yeah. So keep that nine to five. But what you need to do is you need to figure out is that nine to five going to provide you with some skill that you can apply to the hobby? For example, you work a nine to five and you work at a marketing firm and you want to be a photographer mm. and you work at a marketing firm and you want to make your photography thing the full-time thing. Steal the protocols yeah. from your company Look at the systems your company has put Facts. into place and steal them. Photocopy them, take pictures of them, bring Facts. in your camera, do a right. And can I say to your boss, can I record this meeting so I could use it for a training video later in my own company? Do whatever, Facts. steal everything from that company. And then as you're moving along, say to yourself, 
do you have the systems in place that would allow you to start even getting money in your side hobby? For example, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about how they got slighted because they provided a service for somebody, but they didn't get the money. And I said, did you make it easy for them to pay? Mm. Did you have a payment system where they could give a credit card payment then? Did you have any kind of system where you could say, here, give me your credit card, AC8, whatever. Take everything. Right. If you're doing the service, but you don't have the ability to collect the payment, don't get angry when you don't get paid. Facts. You know? And no one wants to pay for something after they've gotten the service because they, it's not priority now yeah they, they've got yeah. it already they it's, got it deliverable it, it, now it feels worse to pay you yeah now they now when it. they pay you they resent it that's a fact so let's keep that nine to five and as you have that nine to five what i would do is i would go to save the creative events i would talk to as many entrepreneurs as you can ask them questions like how do you collect payments how do you what do you do what is what is you know be inquisitive and you got to be like curious George the monkey. You got to be like getting into trouble Facts. and you got to go out and you can't think about it. Thinking about it will lead too much future thinking and future thinking equals anxiety. Mm. You can't be, you can't be anxious when you're truly present in the moment. Cause anxiety comes from what if Yeah, it comes from the future, not the past. The past is depression and resentment. Yeah. It's like, Oh, look what I've done. <laughs> The future is like, oh, my God, what's going to happen in the future? Um, So instead of actually saying what if, just do a little piece of it slowly and surely and, you know, all that cliche bullshit, you know, one bite of an elephant at a time. But, um, yeah, and if if you're and if you never do it, that's okay too. Maybe you were someone who was meant to always think about it and not do it. Doing it is not for everybody, you know, so knowing your morals and your values and your, and your compass kind of leads to easier decision-making, but thinking too much leads to anxiety. I I love that. I get that a lot. Analysis paralysis. Mm, I like that. Future thinking leads to anxiety. That's why the Buddhists are always like, you have to be present. And they're like, they're like, let go of your thoughts and just focus on your breathing and it's like, what I'm focusing on is I have to piss. So I'm getting up from this yoga session. Man, Aaron, y'all, if y'all ain't get some gems from this, man, Aaron, I want to thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. Y'all know how we do each and every week, man, bringing in game changers that's that's dropping gems. And this episode definitely was no different. We didn't even have to talk comedy because Aaron was giving us so much game just about business and entrepreneurship, man. So I'll see y'all on the next one. Thank you. Yeah, come to a show. Aaron the speaker on everything. A A Ron, easy to remember. Aaron the speaker on A A. But I always say A A. I go A A Ron. I go A two A's. A A Ron. Come see me live. Do comedy. I would love you to have come to my show. The culture can. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Game Changers podcast with Barry and McQueen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. Follow us on Instagram at Everyday Game Changers or on our official website, www.everydaygamechangers.com.